0: The experiment is once again live. Hi. I am Scott Ranieri, and This is The Experiment with Scott Renery. I don't know why I pots when do that. Okay. I'm going to make this quick because this is my third time recording this and I am running late for my comedy show that already happened if you're listening to this after the fact it's because it's literally it literally happened yesterday in the afternoon. If you don't follow me on Instagram, that's just your fault. Sorry. <laughs> sorry not sorry that's just I put all the social media and things out there so you gotta know you know you either follow or you don't I this episode I'm gonna make this very short and sweet we're going to it's a lot of this episode this episode is bleh. why can't I talk this episode is going corporate <laughs> what I mean is I get to talk about one of my favorite shows in a segment I like to call, in a special segment I like to call Scott Recommends, where I break free from the algorithm at least once every month or so and recommend a show that you guys, prob- or a show or movie you guys probably haven't seen but is really, really, really good. And, and this week it's HBO's Industry, a co-production they have with BBC, or is it BBC2? I have to double check that before for my review, but it's an amazing show uh it has stars that you recognize from everything from bodies 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 to literally rush hour i didn't even know that <laughs> i didn't even know that the, the one of the guys who was in the who's in the show is from is from rush hour i'm like what the fudge what the fudge yo but yeah it's fun it's fun it's a good show it's a really really good show and then after that i talk about the and speaking of which which is uh the show itself is set in a in a like what's it a in a firm in an accounting firm I guess of sorts I don't I don't know I have to look in again I have to look into this because I am like every time I watch the show I'm really into it and then I stop watching the show and I'm just like I don't know what the what the show completely is about but yeah takes place at a brokerage firm in London great all these young horny all these young horny like traders are just in there trying to just 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 fucking and grinding and trading their way to the top of the food train and out of their like ha- most heinous resources. It's literally like if succession and euphoria somehow met in the middle. It that's how it's described. And Vanity Fair made that description, not me. But but I also get to talk about the writer's strike, which as at the time of this recording, I'm not sure is going to I'm not sure whether or not it'll happen tomorrow, but May 1st is when they are authorized to strike, which is when this episode is airing. And that's chaos because I quit my job to become a writer and they announced they were looking into striking around the time I quit my job. So yeah, a lot of stuff to talk about here. So yeah. Oh, but before we get into the, you know, that and the on my mind, which is the writer's which is the writer strike where I have to talk about where I talk about how Hollywood, you know, my friend, a lot of my friends who aren't really all that prone or in-depth in the industry think the, the Hollywood will be fine. And basically my rant is about how all the ways Hollywood will not be fine because I feel like people have this disconnect about how much writers actually get paid. And it really and I'll put it to you this way. The corporate job I left that tried to shaft that I quit because they found a legal way to pay me less money or reimburse me less, way less money than I was making, than they am not bumping on my hourly wages, is literally the same mindset they have to pay writers. And that's why I have to rant about this. So this episode is basically titled Going Corporate or Why Going Corporate is Bad. I haven't figured out a title yet at the time of this recording, but I'm sure I'll come up with something. But yeah, and another thing is that I'm currently updating my websites and uh, I'll keep you guys posted on any comedy shows I am doing prior to me recording episodes so that that way you're not listening to them after the fact. Hey, I'm doing a comedy show around here. You should probably go. Something like that. But in the meantime, please enjoy my uh, rambling gibberish type thing as I transition over to Scott Recommends where I talk about the one of the horniest corporate-set HBO series I've ever seen in a long time that's honestly beautifully directed, masterfully acted, and honestly is just a great execution of just young people in corporate and why corporate America is such a slog on our mental health, but also really great for our sexual stamina. Anywho, off we go! Okay, we're back. Welcome to Scott Recommends. Um... A note uh, because I am recording this in the morning I'm eating I'm having my coffee and the hard drives are on the table with this mic because I don't want to stand up and do this but I may move in between just so I can have some standing room and drink my coffee so you may hear some cluttering but just wanted to break that note out but anywho all right let's let's get some recommendations going so this is Scott recommends industry now Now Industry is a co-production between BBC and HBO. It airs on BBC2 and also available on HBO and HBO Max in the United States. Uh it premiered in it premiered uh, on November 9th in 2020 on HBO and November 10th, 2020 on BBC2. Two. And that was and if you remember that was we were pretty much uh, how do I phrase this? very, very deep into the year of 2020 and lots of, lots of, lots of things. Chaos, pandemic, uh, social upheaval, all cops are bad. Yeah, yeah, those were, that was an era. That was a literal eon of chaos. And in this eon of chaos, as we were all sheltered at home for the most part, for the most of the time, uh, if we didn't sneak out and get some, you know, if we didn't sneak out and clap some cheeks real quick. <laughs> Sorry, I don't mean to get vulgar, but the, the, yeah, people did sneak out for that. It And this show does also acknowledge the pandemic. It's not one of those shows that just weirdly takes place in a timeline where the pandemic doesn't exist. It does acknowledge it because there is a character that makes a fuck, a fu- ton of money. So it's. So, yeah, um, let's go back. Scroll back up. Okay. So I'll just read you this official summary from HBO's website, hbo.com. Industry gives an insider's view of the black box of high finance following a group of young bankers as they forge their identities with the pressure cooker environment and sex and drug-fueled blitz of International Bank, Pierpoint & Co.'s London office. It is created and executive produced by Mickey Down and Conrad Kay. And produced for HBO and BBC by Bad Wolf. So, uh, I skimmed over a few things. But yeah, pretty much, this is the... But yeah, this is the show. This is the show that's basically, as Vanity Fair put it, the midpoint between succession and euphoria. Because it is. It involves the youth and chaos and sex and drive and hunger of euphoria. Combined with all of the riveting... All of the riveting economic and investment jargon that you would love that you love to see from succession but you're really more focused on who's going to be having sex with whoever who's betraying who and all types of Machiavellian corporate backstabbing except here it's except except on succession it's not really all that horny well textually it's more like word horny there's like spices. There's like splops of horny. I mean, it's more horny with the subtext and on the surface than it is real deep. Industry industry is one of the horniest shows on this network as to uh, as of late. Now it's me drinking my coffee. Because that's how horny it is. I need, I need to come back. I need to wake up for that. But yeah. So yeah, I'll just read you. I'll just show that. Uh, Why am I losing my place? But yeah, it's a great show. The first episode is available on HBO.com right now, and you can watch it for free. And then you can just watch. It. And then when you ever decide to get HBO Max or Max, it will soon be called because stupid reasons, uh, you can watch all two episodes, all two seasons of, with eight episodes each, sixteen episodes total on HBO Max. But let me talk to you guys about the uh, at least the featured characters. Uh, there's Harper Sturd, played by Mahalo Harold from Bodies Bodies Bodies. There's Yasmin Kara uh, Hanani playing Marissa Abella. Uh Eric Tao, played by Ken Lung, who is who you may remember uh, from Rush Hour. Who you may remember yeah, you may remember from Rush Hour as he was wielding an Uzi telling Chris Tucker to fight like a man. It's great. Uh Robert Spearing, played by Harry Lalty and Gus Sackie played by David Johnson. Uh, where's the same DB? Sorry. I'm doing this as I am. I'm very late trying to post this episode due to the fact that I was doing a lot of comedy and hanging out with a lot of comedians as of late. So let's see. And then working out. So why do I feel like I've seen him before? Oh yeah, that's right. Yeah. Uh, uh the person I just mentioned david johnson he's in the new movie called rilay uh that's coming out very soon this year um, and, do, 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 do. come on go back thank you but yeah it's a great show this great sh- this show is awesome you know they're making their way through the financial world in the aftermath of two thousand and eight you know economic collapse. It's a great show. They have great guest stars and, you know, featured stars. Uh, they have Jay Duplass coming in as the guy as a guy who made a shitload of money during the pandemic and he's played to beautiful effects. They do great they have great moments with their mental with like, you know, depiction of mental health and panic attacks as well as corp as well as the well, the corporate sphere. Now while some critics on Rotten Tomatoes may find that it's a little bit superficial in order to serve its very soapy workplace drama aspects. I kind of disagree due to the fact that this is more or less how people try to act in corporate America and then fail miserably. It's like this weird hybrid of, I guess, both succession and industry when, from, my corporate America, from my corporate experience that people are just, I don't know. They think, they're, they think they're, smart, they're smarter than they actually are. And then I'm watching these shows and these people are actually as smart as they think they are most of the time. Uh, maybe not in the case of Yasmin, of the character of Yasmin, uh, but we'll get to that. Anywho, I mentioned earlier that this is also one of the, I mentioned earlier that I referenced, I believe, if I haven't already, that Vanity Fair called this show a middle point between Succession and Euphoria, which I understand, but I feel like that's also because this is one of the horniest HBO shows as of late. Like, I have not, like, I feel like I need a shower after the show because the show is so dirty in terms of its both aggression, in terms of being, you know, the in terms of, you know, winning financially, I guess you could say. But also in terms of just the just the sheer like lust. Like, I don't know who is spraying pheromones at Pierpoint and Co. But these people, like, damn I remember a description of the Of the tv of the long of the well-known tv series friends being a bunch of you know a a show about six hedonistic white people living to living and occasionally sleeping with each other and then just talking about it or some or talking about things and i'm like yeah that's pretty much it whereas here it's like this is this is basically if you cranked the hedonism to 11 i'll phrase it like this uh to, for any Futurama fans, Hedonism Bot would love this show too much. <laughs> Hedonism Bot would try to get a fight to get a role on this show. Just for no reason. None. None whatsoever. Just to be there amongst the amongst the smut. But <laughs> which I find hilarious because uh, I know some people who didn't want to I know some older black folks who did not want to watch Insecure because they thought it was virtually porn. Family mem- family members of mine, even, and I thought to myself, no, nah, nah. Compared to what I've seen on the other parts of HBO, this is definitely more. This is definitely closer. But I don't know why I'm hamping on this moment. The point. The point is, is that this is a bunch of. I'm watching young, ambitious people claw and fight and fuck their way to greatness, and it's really compelling. It's also extremely nerve-wracking and anxiety-inducing, as in this thing will probably wreck you. This is a great show. This is a really great show. I'm going to try and make this one shorter because every time I try to record this, I just end up talking about other HBO shows because of who they're pulling for the new season. Now, as I mentioned, there's only two seasons available right now, eight episodes each, 16 episodes total on HBO Max. Currently, and since it is an HBO original, I would imagine that there are some people who have been on other HBO shows that might slide through on occasion. Well, there are. In the newest season, I won't give too much away about their characters, but two HBO alumni of sorts, uh, if you will, are going to be part of the new season, uh, season three, which is currently filming right now based on the Instagram that I follow and that run, and they run. Uh, of course, the returning cast members are back. Uh, the main cast is back, but also in addition to the two... But also, in addition to that, there will be two HBO alumni. Uh, there will be eh, click. Now I don't screw up this up. Eh, scroll, scroll. Yay! Eh, scroll back up. There we go. Cool. Uh, first up, uh, they're gonna ha- they're going to bring in two people. They're bringing in Kit Harington for season three. Kit Harington, famously playing Jon Snow, in um, in to immaculate and amazing execution in Game of Thrones. Uh, regardless of how you may feel about how the series was executed, Jon Snow, no notes. Enjoyed. Love it. Great performance. So now he's in season three of Industry. Who else is in season three? A featured, one of the main leads of one of my recent favorite HBO shows that is just amazing. Uh, Sarah Goldberg, who's famous for playing Sally on HBO's Barry, the Bill Hader-led uh sort of comedy show that has now become that has now evolved into the funny as if has now devolved into a show that i describe as what if david lynch just snuck in uh just snuck in the funniest and most and darkest surrealist show of all time about a hitman who gets into hollywood <laughs> it's the best way to go to describe that that's all i could give you that's it that's it just go watch go watch <laughs> he's, the, he's the hitman who becomes who gets the acting who gets bit by the acting bug, decides to drive into Hollywood, and then eventually chaos ens- ensues on a surrealist level. It's it's great. but And and Sarah Goldberg as Sally is amazing. So her being part of season three of Industry, I'm very excited about. So yeah, it's it's a great show. It's a great show, great British cast, great, great American cast. It's awesome. I, lo- I love it. I recommend it to everyone who gets a chance to go watch it. Uh, if you're In the UK, it's on BBC2. If you're in the US, you're already watching HBO. So, you know, if you're paying for HBO already, it's just another thing to go watch. But it's a good show. It's a great show. And honestly, I can't say much more about it. It's it's one of those things where you have to watch it and then you're just like, I got to keep going. I got to know what happens next. It's just one one of those shows for me. That happened with me with, funny enough, with Game of Thrones and with Barry. So, three for three. Or more like 444 now that I'm watching the last season of Succession and the last season of Barry every week as they destroy me emotionally, crippling me. I can't wait for the show to get back, so I have to go take showers after every episode because of how filthy it is. And I love it. I love the games that they play. I love the chaos that they bring to the corporate sphere. All right. Well, I'm going to end this one early because I got nothing else to say about the show unless I want to spoil more of the show. And I don't want to. I will say this it's a <laughs> what's it called A uh, it's a great show uh and you get to follow and also i feel like well it's an ensemble show i'm gonna take the last couple minutes i'm just gonna stretch this out to 15 i want to take the last couple minutes to really highlight mahala harold as harper stern her character is used for all types of wonderful depictions of both uh, mental illness and other things but also well not just mental illness but in terms of ambition and style but it's also nice to watch a a black woman lead an hbo show again in some way shape or form because i feel like that's just nice to see some diversity because i love the other stuff that they have on hbo i love a black lady sketch show watch insecure religiously for years when it went when they were on the air but it's nice to watch this show, and just see that, you know, see that level of representation, at least in terms of anxiety and panic attacks. It's nice. It's great. It, I commend them for that. Also, watching Ken Long, Ken Neon, yeah, watching Ken Long play Eric Tao and scream at people will never not be great. It's just enjoyable. I love it. Go watch it. It's on HBO Max. Uh It's a great show. It's awesome. It's hilarious. And if you ever needed a quote-unquote HBO Max and Climax show, ladies and gentlemen, this is the show. All right, that's it. Uh, Scott has now officially recommended industry. All right, well, I'm just going to babble my way over to the next segment. Bye-bye. Okay, okay. Are we back? We're back. Yeah, we're back, baby. Let's go. Hey, what's up? Okay, let me calm down a little bit because we're going to, it's going to get a little heavy. Um, hi, once again, still listening to the experiment. I'm still Scott Ranieri, uh the best of my recollection. And this is on my mind. The, as I mentioned a few weeks ago when I first brought back this podcast, this is the renamed portion of my Odd Man's Rant. Well, I've renamed it in order to make it more, I guess, uh, easier on the tongue. And this week, uh, I wanted to talk about something that I mentioned in the intro and a bit in my Scott recommends section. Um, as of late, uh, I've not seen this, but as of 11:59 p.m. as of this day, May 1st, where I'm recording this, which is why this podcast is so late. The Writers Guild on both coasts, Writers Guild of, Guild of America, the WGA, on both the East Coast and West Coast, have virtually has more or less unanimously agreed to go to to strike if their terms are not agreed to by the, along with the American motion picture, the AMTPA, and uh, the studios. If the studios don't come to a deal with the Writers Guild, the writers are going to strike. And the last time the Writers' Strike happened, at least in the 21st century, was in 2007, 2008. It was 2007, 2008 Writers' Strike. Which, if you remember, and I'm going to look up something here to <laughs> kind of remind people that. Let's see. Oh, yeah. Instagram. When did Instagram. Oh, yeah. The last time the writer's strike happened, Instagram didn't exist. Twitter was barely a thing. Facebook was the overlord of social media taking over from MySpace. I'll put it to you this way. 30 Rock was still in the air where, as Donald Glover has mentioned, he was a diversity hire for. <laughs> and Tina Fey admitted to him as such. Mm. Again, I'm quoting him in GQ. But it got me into thinking about something. I'm going to take a sip of my coffee real quick, very loudly. <sighs> it's not fancy coffee. I just grabbed something from Ralph's and I have a a uh, tiny I have a little coffee maker I got from uh, Target. That's fine. It's it's how I wake up in the morning. But Lemme <clears throat> You know what, maybe I should stand and talk about this, but I don't want to leave this computer. No, you know what? Yeah, here, here. Okay. Sorry, I'm trying to reorganize myself because the reason this the Rider strike has been on my mind is because that's to give you some context. I went to film school way back in the year, around the time when instagram was new the year 2010 literally october 6 2010 i had already been in film school for like i want to say it was three months three four months by that point almost <laughs> now three months yeah three months so i'd already finished like a small portion of my long career into the entertainment industry or started a small portion of it <sighs> And the writer strike was about, and the writer strike had just happened a few years earlier. Now, again, if you don't remember what had happened during the writer's strike, here's the thing: a plethora of reality shows that were already planned to coming out, pretty much just ended up coming out ahead of schedule. Uh, <clears throat> and if you remember late night shows having to improvise crap like, uh, I don't know, this is back when Stephen Colbert was still on the Colbert Report. Uh, uh, John Stewart was still hosting The Daily Show, and Conan O'Brien was still, you know, on network television, no less. Or had he moved on to cable by now? I honestly don't know. That's how long ago it was. Where I didn't know whether Conan, where Conan O'Brien was still on TV in some capacity, and not in the podcast sphere or on the internet as we now know him. Now <laughs> he's a, he's ascending to George Takei levels of internet of you know internet fame, <laughs> and I love it. So. You know, having being a fan of The Simpsons, that's, you know, I love that for him. And you know what's crazy? They had to start fighting on another. <laughs> they had to make up stuff to pad the time because they didn't have any writers for their sketches. They didn't have any writers for their skits. And I've had a few people talk. I've had a few people who weren't really in the industry. Or I rather I phrase it like this. They are not writers. And they do not understand the concept of what it means to have a writer strike. In fact, I had one of my friends literally say Hollywood will be fine. And I'm literally thinking to myself, "No. Hollywood will not be fine." It's not one of those instances where if someone calls out of work or whatever they strike, you know, the the the, the machine can still keep going and the factory can still keep going. No, this is not one of those. This is one of those if they stop working, you have nothing to make. It's how do I describe this? Um let me think of a good analogy for this. It's like when you're getting, food. it's like cooking food. If you don't have the materials to make the food, you can't cook. That's just simple as that. If you don't have the food, you can't cook. Writers create the food. Writers are farmers. They they farm, they farm food. They grow food, crops, all that, and then they bring them to the and then they bring them to the chefs or whatever to make the food. Let's make this as simplistic as possible. Say writers bring food. For chefs, directors, producers, whatever to make. now say they don't get their cut or they get less than their cut, or they don't get paid for some reason for some weird reasoning such as you know the budget doesn't afford them or they're you know the, 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 you know they still don't want to pay them like above like entry level levels of pay, and they decide to strike now in that context, you think, okay, well, Hollywood could just put out some other crap, Well, that's just stuff that they have waiting in the wings. What they do have maybe is a little bit more, uh, (laughs) oh, how do I phrase this without sounding like a, without sounding like I'm completely making stuff up? Um, hmm. cause I'm not, uh, how do I phrase this? Oh, if you don't have the raw materials to make the things you need to make, it's like if you need to make a Lego set and the peep and the Lego company is like, you can make this Lego set. Just, we're not going to give you Legos. How do you make the set? It'll be fine. It's the same mentality I've seemed to have come across whenever I've had to have debates with people of a of political of political parties, mostly conservative political parties, assuming that the jobs will always be there, not realizing that the jobs have to come from a sort of peop, from a need of work or workers. And the problem is that the jobs will be there, some jobs will be there, but they won't be the jobs that people not just would want. But the job people don't feel like they're gonna get paid comp, you know fairly for. I mean, we still have excusable forms of slavery in this country in the form of having undocumented workers pick you know, go in the fields and pick fruit and harvest and whatnot for farmers. A lot of undocumented workers get screwed over by those farmers. Uh, since I was talking on HBO earlier in the last segment, uh, last week tonight had a great segment on this, I believe, just last week. So that's a good place to start. But, but to bring it back to the writers, what I mean to say is, is that this was very reminiscent of my recent experience with corporate America and why I've quit my job. See, I quit uh, back in January, the tail end of January, before they had this this new thing take effect, where I was not going to get paid because my job had me driving around Los Angeles and filling in for like office workers, for like you know mailroom and copy service workers. So I was all over the place from like studio lots to like mostly law firms and, you know, mailroom law firms and whatnot to occasionally a college. And my former employer, the company, decided that they needed to have a blanket way of saving money, but they couldn't figure out a way of cutting costs without you know losing a whole workforce. So they figured out a way of doing it by cutting the driving reimbursement. I used to get paid, I was previously getting paid per mile, but they decided to replace that with a very small stipend that was about 10% of the money I would have been getting back, a monthly stipend that was basically roughly 5 to 10% of how much money I was getting back, I was getting reimbursed for driving around Los Angeles County. Not Los Angeles, not the city of Los Angeles, Los Angeles County. At one point, I was almost expected to drive over to Irvine, California at one point because someone was desperate for somebody to like worked them out, and I was the only person in L.A. County. I was one of the handful of people in my position in L.A. County. So when they implemented this new position, I drafted my resignation letter because this new position that they decided to rename my position as would also involve a new caveat. The first 15 miles and the first hour of commuting to and from my work sites would be out of my pocket. Now, for anyone who has not lived in Los Angeles, let me explain how messed up that is. That is basically saying you are responsible for driving around Los Angeles to as many work sites as possible, and we're not going to pay you to drive to anywhere. It doesn't matter if you live next to LAX or if you live next to, if you live like near the edge of the city of Los Angeles itself. You are no longer going to get paid to drive to work. You're going to get paid to drive to work if it takes you longer than an hour and longer than 15 miles. And I live next to the airport. Everywhere takes 15 miles, (laughs) at least. So I'm like, 80% of that is gone. I'm like, I can't make money like this unless I move. And And that type of, and I had to resign and quit my job as a result because I'm like, I don't want to do this anymore. I don't want to work for a job that literally just found a way of paying me less money. I don't want to work in an industry that just found a way of paying me less money. As I quit my job and become a writer, and they're striking for the exact same reasoning I, did, I, I quit my job for. Irony is, you know, that, that's how I know I'm a writer. I recognize the irony in my situation. But look, so the thing I have always, so here's the thing, and this is why I'm supportive of the writer strike. Of all fronts. And why if I get the chance to, or if I member in a position to strike with them or join me up WGA I will pretty much adhere to their guidelines because I would yeah, I would adhere to their guidelines because it's what I wanted to do in the first place. I went to film school to be a writer. That's tr- straight up the truth. The filmmaking, the photography aspect, all that came secondary because I just wanted to make films. But I really wanted to write more than anything else. And, that, and a lot of that was stolen from me, working all these corporate jobs and just tr- and just struggling to make a living. There's stories of writers who won, like, awards and accolades and then had to show up to work the, the, the following day, had to show up to their regular job, quote-unquote, the next day. Uh, people who had a negative bank account and were supposed to be on the red carpet for a premiere bought a bow, bow tie on credit. Like, <laughs> it, it, it's, an, it's maddening. And I, so that's why I understand because I come from a, some while I wasn't a writer, I came from several years of basically being shafted out of my pay for corporate reasons. Which is really, really dumb. Like, really, really dumb. So, I don't know... So I guess, I don't know, if anyone's stances on this is like, you know, oh, Hollywood's going to be fine. Oh, this is you know, just it out of proportion. Imagine if someone paid you. Remember the last time that a job basically shafted one of your paychecks, screwed you out of money and had to make you loop through hoops in order to get more money in order to, you know, keep yourself financially solvent until the next month. And then they do this shit all over again. This is what writers are doing. This is what writers are having to deal with. Imagine being paid entry level then being told we can't pay you anything more than entry level because it's not in the budget. Imagine not having a, imagine having a negative balance in your bank account and still being expected to show up red carpet ready. This is madness. It's a straight up madness. And look, there's a bunch of writers you can follow on Twitter that literally talk about this. Because anything that you read, because most of the articles that you read, unless it's coming from the WGA or recommended by the WGA, it's most likely just fodder to make it seem like, oh, the writers are going to destroy the Hollywood or whatever, or something that just basically makes it so it's the writer's fault this is happening. No, it's not. It is corporate. It is corporate mentality that has caused this. Again, again, as I mentioned in my review in my Scott Recommends" section earlier, The people who run corporations seem to act like that they are exactly they act like they are, you know, they're as cool or as competent as the people in industry and succession, the two shows on HBO. That are said in the corporate landscape. And honestly, they're not. Honestly they're not. Because of one simple thing. They seem to understand they seem to keep forgetting that when you shaft people who are below the line, you have ruined your chances at trying to, you know, you can save a buck, but eventually the the buck will stop here. I'll put it like this: um, I believe it is the I A T S E, the IATSE, uh, which is basically union is a huge union that represents all the below the line workers. So anyone who's not a director, star, or writer or producer, it's pretty much everyone else: cinematographers, gaffers, best boys, electricians. Uh, interns, production assistants, makeup artists, caterers—every one of those is under like the big, like you know. Uh, 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 please correct me if I'm wrong about this, but I, but the IOTC is basically the bulk of them, and they said that they would strike alongside the WGA. Now take that into consideration. The f- now let's say that the directors, producers, actors, and stars are all ra- are all like you know and the writers are all like factory heads. (laughs) And the -the below-the-line workers, you know, the cinematographers, editors, uh, caterers, makeup artists, production designers, what have you, are all, the costume designers, are all, you know, the factory itself. If the factory goes on strike along with the people who design the factory, how do you make the thing? How do you make the product? That's a genuine question. How do you make the product? Because... I don't see how you can make anything else other than excuses. And, you know, a sign that says, uh, <laughs> I'll put it to you this way. Not enough people came in. The, there's a sign that says not enough people wanted to work today. So we are closed for today. You know how people kept quoting Kim Kardashian saying, like, and everyone was basically aping the same thing she says, like nobody wants to fucking work. Get off your fucking ass and work. Well, people are working, Kim. Corporations. Everybody, to those people who have that mindset, you they are working. They just don't like working for you and your shitty wages and your horrible behavior and your just justification for not paying people more than paying people what they're worth. People should not have to be fighting to be their own boss in order to run a show and get health insurance. The Academy Award winning duo, the Daniels, who have just, and I say that knowing they just only recently won an Academy Award for everything, everywhere, all at once. They won it for directing, and they talked, and literally, there was an article not too long ago afterwards, where they did an episode of the upcoming series, Star Wars, The Acolyte. And they talked about the only reason they did that episode is to keep their health insurance. Imagine having to do Star Wars to keep your health insurance. You should be enjoying the fact that you're doing a Star Wars project at all. But doing it so that you can retain your health insurance is bonkers to me because I'm like, like if I'm if I willingly did this and did a whole Star Wars show, it'd be great. But having to direct a Star Wars show so you can keep your health insurance is ridiculous, and it, it it's just wild to me. But then again, I never had a job that I could ever that ever had affordable health insurance either, so I don't know. <laughs> like literally, I'd have to be. The only way I can get my way through corporate America is if I moved myself up. And if you're wondering why this segment is going a little bit longer than it usually does, because I usually time it for 15 minutes, I don't have the hourglass going. So I'm trying to, and the reason for that is because this is such a, this is a conversation that I can really relate to because I know what it's like to be shafted by corporate America. And the only way to do that is if you move up, which is why everyone's fighting to be a showrunner in the Writers Guild, which is why everyone when I was working for was just fighting to be a manager. I was told repeatedly at my old job that I could really be a manager if I wanted to. I'm like, I don't want to. This place is fucking terrible. This place is fucking abhorrent in terms of conditions and standards that you guys say you want to meet, but you really just do everything in your power to not do it because it costs too much money. Fuck you. I'm not doing it. And you know what? That's how I feel about with people who talk about the writers, like not really like, you know, derail everything or do stuff like, oh, Hollywood be fine. Like, no, fuck you. These people are. These people are working for pennies and being in poverty. You shouldn't be in poverty if you're trying to be an artist. We need to destroy that myth entirely. Like I'm sick of people saying you have to suffer for your art. Fuck you. I've suffered enough for what I've suffered with I've suffered for corporate America and I've never and I've barely seen more than enough cent. I don't have health I didn't have health insurance. I still have to pay taxes for that shit. I still have to pay taxes for the fact that I can't afford health insurance because they don't pay me enough to afford fucking health insurance kind of a what kind of a nonsensical system are we in where we can't even have that luxury but you know what it's whatever i quit for a reason but now i'm having to make this rant because well a lot of people are quitting for the same reasoning for the profession i want to be in rather than the profession i was i had to go into cuz i only took the job because of my car because i needed car repairs I would have quit like once they moved me over or whatever. I would eventually quit. But because my job almost had me going to Calabasas every damn day. And my car was like, no, we're going to die. So I only took the job to fix, to you know, pay off stuff for my car. But now that that's over and now I'm trying to get back into stuff, it's like, I don't know. I guess what I'm trying to say is maybe pay the people what they Deserve and what they're actually valued at. Because apparently, there's a lot of people out there who's going to tell you a lot of reasons why they don't deserve the money. And I'm here to tell you right now if anyone out there really thinks that no one deserves to get paid what they're worth, it's because they don't want you to have the money they have. They want you to suffer because that's how they learned. And that's how people should learn. And I say to them, fuck off. A well thought out, fluently executed and heartfelt fuck off. Because I once slept on the floor of a roach infested apartment trying to stay in the city and follow my dreams. I would have wished that on people. I wouldn't wish that type of struggle on anybody. That's just horrible. And, you know, people just want to be cheap for no reason other than to show strength. And you know what? I'll have my thoughts about that on some other time. But look, what I'm saying is solidarity with writers. Solidarity with writers. You know, pay people more. Pay people what they are owed. All right? Because shouldn't be fighting to get a meal. Shouldn't be fighting to get paid a decent wage in any industry. Doesn't matter what the industry is. But, you know, this country may have lost its taste for slaves, but it found a consolation prize in capitalism and corporate and corporate workarounds. So, whoop-de-doo. All right, I think I'm, I'm good and depressed for this. Well, thanks for listening, guys. Appreciate it. I'm just going to babble my way to the intro to the outro i guess yeah do, 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 do. and with that the experiment is now closed my name is scott ranieri you've just listened to another episode of the experiment with yours truly scott Raneri. Uh, you can find us on the socials via instagram at scott the experiment and on twitter at scott experiment you can find all the episodes of the experiment with scott Raneri on spotify apple podcast and google Podcasts. And they air every single Monday. That's every single Monday because I'm committing to this. <laughs> well, thanks again for listening, and you guys have a great week. Bye bye for now.